Welcome to America's Top Rebbitzins. May this class be for Rafua Shalema, for Eliezer Raphael Leib Benamuna, and also for Haim Aharon Ben Rachel. Please click on the subscribe button to subscribe to us on the America's Top Rebbitzins YouTube page, or click follow to follow us on your podcasting app so that you're the first to know when an inspiring new episode is posted. I'm very happy to have on today's show, Hani Rosengarten. Hani is a Hasidic wife and mother. She's also an Amazon best-selling author and powerful motivational speaker. She teaches empowerment, self-care, and boundaries in business, love, and relationships. She has a wonderful series of online courses that have made a tremendously positive impact on the lives of so many women. Wow. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. Hey, so happy to be here. So I'm Connie Rosengarten. Yeah, we mentioned that. Um, I help women really fall in love with themselves, make those boundaries, and therefore make the relationships in our lives work. I want your relationships to work. I want your life to work for you. That's what I do. That is so special. I love it. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, Because I personally, I love that you teach about boundaries because we can't really attain true self-love without establishing proper boundaries in all aspects of our lives. Boundaries protect us and they keep us safe. But more importantly, boundaries help to preserve our dignity and our self-worth. Without boundaries, we don't know where we end and where the other person begins. And without that knowledge, it's really, really hard to have healthy relationships, whether it's personal relationships or business relationships, having boundaries is vital to our lives. So today we're going to help women learn to both create and maintain healthy boundaries in different aspects of our lives. So let's start at the beginning. Can you please first tell us exactly what a boundary is and maybe go a little bit into depth about why it's so important that we, especially as women, create boundaries in our lives? Uh, So good. Yes. Um, what is a boundary? A boundary is, in, in its most simple form, it's knowing where I end and you begin. This is till where I go. This is till where you go. And why is it so important? Because especially as women, and especially in relationships, we connect. So as we're connecting, we're feeling like the other person is, is coming close, right? And still the boundary lets us connect and lets us remember, this is who I am. I don't go further than who I am. I can't help everyone with everything. I can't make my husband change. I can't fix my boss's business for him and heal his, oops, sorry. And heal his um, stuff for him, right? Like this is who I am. This is what I can do. This is what I can offer. I love you very much. I have love in my heart, which makes me feel connected, but it doesn't make me take over. And more importantly, it doesn't let you take over my life. It doesn't let let your love, your concern, your care take over to where I forget who I am. So when we connect, we want to connect, but we want to connect as a whole person. We want to connect and still stay connected with ourselves. That's why knowing where I end is really important, especially in a relationship where you want to connect, especially in a relationship where you want to be intimate, especially in a relationship with children where you want to be generous and giving. You still want to remember yourself. You still want to know this is this is me. This is till where I go. And this is you. Your child is not you. Your child's issues is not you. Right? Right? We can give, we can love, we can connect, 
and we can still stay who we are. I love that. I love that. And we're, now we're just about to go deeper into that. So this is this is a very, very important topic, especially for moms and uh, for moms and wives. So we're going to specifically talk about boundaries as they apply to our relationships with our husbands and with our children. So can you please talk to us about how to set up boundaries with our family members so that we can be the best wife and parent possible without being overly clingy, without being needy, without being codependent? Because I find, especially in those types of family relationships with your husband, with your children, you want to do, like as women, we, we go above and beyond ourselves. We go, I think we, we cross our boundaries because we want our husbands to be happy. We want our children to be happy. And if we have more than one child, we, it's, we're, we're going literally out of our skin to please everybody. And we're completely forgetting about ourselves in most cases. So I really kind of want to take a look at how to protect ourselves by setting up boundaries. And if you're able to give us some specific examples, both you know with the, the husband category and the children category of how we can set up those boundaries, that would be amazing. Okay, great. Um, I'm thinking I want to go into, I have a four step process okay. that I have outlined in this book. My book is called the boundary is you how to make boundaries by loving yourself more. And there's a specific path towards making those boundaries, which I want to um, tell you about, but I also want to describe, like you're saying the potential for boundarylessness for forgetting our boundaries really exists in intimate relationships and close wonderful relationships. And I want to just explain a little bit of what happens when we lose that boundary. So, and we've been told, right, give and give generously and be there for your husband and love him and like give him. And you know, like if you, you know, if you've experienced a pregnancy, like pregnancy is you just giving every fiber of your being to that child. So like, we know how to give at a very high level. So when it comes to marriage, when it comes to parenting, even when it comes to our work world, like world, we, we know how to give that comes almost easily to us. And what happens is we give and give and give and give. And we're thinking that we're building the relationship this way. Like I'm such a good wife. I give my husband so wonderfully, right? What happens is, is that as you're giving, you're depleting yourself. You're giving and giving, and you're hoping that you're going to give everything that you got. The hope is that how are you going to survive if you give everything away? The hope is that your husband will give back to you, right? Like I'll give to my husband. It'll make a good relationship. He'll give back to me. And that's how it's going to work. Yes. It works up to a point, but really what's happening underneath the surface is you're depleting yourself. You're in a cycle of depletion. You're giving, 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 giving. There's nothing left. The only way to replenish is from outside of yourself by your husband giving to you. And now you're dependent on someone outside of you to make you okay. And you've lost all power. The truth is that as a human being, as much as your husband wants to be kind, he is a human being as well. And like, he won't always be able to do that. So what happens when you're depleted and he's not able to do that? You're left with nothing. So we thought we made a good wife for our husband, but really at some point he looks around and you look around and he does, he's not even married. There's, there's somebody there who's an empty vessel, who's exhausted. He wanted a partner. He wanted a wife. He wanted somebody to love. And you have depleted yourself. And that's where we get into, into a place in our relationship where it just feels like a desert of the soul, right? Exactly. Because when you're so depleted, you also feel resentful. You feel resentful against the other person because why aren't you doing for me? I'm doing so much for you. Why aren't you doing for me? And yes. it's, it yes. leads to and big resentment. When that breakdown occurs where he isn't able to give you what you need, 
and and you're left without anything and you say i gave everything away like how could you do this to me right and he's essentially saying i'm a human being i I can only do what i can do right and when that's not enough and we've given everything away it's so painful right the opposite of that is so beautiful when you say listen i'm in a relationship i love you but i got to take care of this beautiful person right here right so you start giving and giving and giving to yourself what happens is we're afraid oh i'm going to be so selfish no you're not you're going to start overflowing so much that your husband is going to receive just from that overflow you being that happy shining alive person benefits everyone now your husband is married to a woman someone who's flowing so we get we go from the cycle of depletion where we think we have to give away to the cycle of overflow where we're giving to ourselves and it overflows and automatically gives to him and that's just such a beautiful way of being in a relationship. I love that. I it's you know it's I love that contrast that you know the depletion and the overflow because you're right you know when we give to ourselves when we let's say uh, go out and spend time with ourselves instead of you know being with our kids. We think, oh my God, we're, we're so selfish. I'm such a bad mother, that type of thing. But it's really not true. Yes, of course, we have to spend time with our kids and with our husband. But when we go out and do something for ourselves to fill ourselves up, I love the analogy with the overflow. Like we come back happy, we come back fulfill- fulfilled, and we have that much more to give. Yes. Yeah. Everyone benefits, right? You know, like we all know that day that we spent away from our work, away from our kids, suddenly the work gets done in half the time. The kids get happy. Like it just works, right? It's true because everybody wants to see the mom happy, the wife happy. Like the husband wants his wife to be happy. The kids, they benefit so much from having a happy mom. We really don't look at it from the other way. We're always looking, I have to give. Now I have to give more and more and more into this one, to that one. And we're running around and at the end of the day, we're like rags. So I love this um, philosophy of overflow. And I know that you mentioned that you have some really great uh, steps on how to set up boundaries so we can achieve this overflow. So I can't wait to hear about that. Okay. So it's called the land method. Why the land? Because at the beach, you'll notice that the beach is the boundary for the water, right? The beach says to the water, until here you go, the water would really like to overflow the land. Like the water just keeps on bringing those waves up to the beach and wants to overflow. And the beach is saying, you're till here, I'm here. Like this is where the land starts, right? Interestingly, the land doesn't do anything. Like the land doesn't say, oh my God, you, you better stop doing that to me. Your waves are making me uncomfortable, right? The, the, the land is just like, here I am, like here I am. And that is the boundary, right? Knowing who we are is the boundary. You don't need to make boundaries. You are the boundary. And the other people in your life are like the sea. The sea naturally, human beings naturally also have a state of overflow. Like we want to take the most advantage that we can. We want to get the most we can. We want to be the most connected we can, right? Yeah. It's true. So those waves will will like fall over onto the land and they want to kind of wash over you. But by you being the boundary, you're like, I'm the land, you know, you can, you can have your waves, but like, this is till where I go. So it's called the land method and land is um, an acronym for love, autonomy, um, negotiation, and direction. Those are the four steps to making a boundary for being a boundary. The first step is loving yourself. We cannot make a boundary or be a boundary if we don't love ourselves. If we hate ourselves, then 
okay, like I, I don't like myself, but at least I can give to my husband. Like he can validate me, right? When we feel like I'm not good enough, but at least I can be a good enough mother. Like if I sacrifice myself and if I make the best snacks and the best dinner, then, you know, and my house is clean after a full day and I'm still pregnant and I'm still doing like a million things. At least at the end of the day, I'll know that I've given enough that I can finally say I'm good enough. But when we love ourselves, loving ourselves means I'm good enough. I am good as I am, just just waking up, just being born, being created, being human with my flaws, the way I am, I can love myself anyway. I really like that because I think a lot of women get stuck right there, right there on that first step. They don't feel good enough. They just don't even feel enough or get good enough. They don't feel enough. You know, they feel like maybe if I just do one more thing or maybe if I just get one more degree or maybe a certificate or maybe if I cook, you're right, like cook another meal or do like another mitzvah or do something, maybe I'll then then I'll love myself, then I'll be enough. But we really have to realize that we are enough just because we are, you know, just because we exist, because we're all created in the image of God. And we all have a spark of God inside of us, just by virtue of that he created us. So just because we are created, just because we are alive, we have a spark of God in, in us. And that in itself makes us enough. And that's why that's one amazing reason why we should love ourselves. Yes, yes. We're looking for outside reasons to love ourselves when we are love. Who we are is love. Yes. We are an extension of God's love. We're just a manifestation of love. Like you wake up, you take a deep breath or, or shallow breath, whatever. And it's love. You are the embodiment of love. Everything else is just decoration. I love that. Okay. I love that. Okay. And what about autonomy? Okay. So autonomy means... We've spoken briefly about that, but it basically means that inside of a relationship, there is still autonomy. If there is a connection between two people, we're not fused, we're connected. We are two whole individuals who are connecting. So what does that look like? It looks like, you know, when both of us want different things, it's okay that we figure out which one we're going to do, right? But at least know what you want. Like you don't, like sometimes we just, we even lose knowing what we want, knowing who we are because we fit into the situation of what the other person expects us to be. We lose our sense of self. So autonomy is, hey, you have a self. And in each situation, like every time you need to make a boundary or every time you're thinking about boundaries or what do I want, every instance has that question again of, who am I? What do I want? You have your own autonomy inside of this situation. We're both raising children together. So therefore, I have forgotten what it what what I am as a mother, like, right, we want to take back autonomy and say, what do I want here? Right. Right. I love that. I love it. Um, and just you just um, just to be a little more specific, I'm um, just to clarify. So when it's um, autonomy in terms of being a mother, you know, is it what you want or is it what you want for your child? Um, great question, because I think that what we want for our child, we have less control over versus mm -hmm. what we want, right? We want our child to have a good life. Yes. What that will look like, you know, we don't know exactly what that will look like. We can dream, we can desire but we don't know, right? So when it comes to, let's say, bedtime and your child is throwing a tantrum because your child doesn't want to go to sleep, 
right? Like that's a more immediate thing than a long-term vision. Like we can have long-term visions for our child. And then whether that child does it or not, like fulfills that or not, is not up to us, right? Right. Um, When it comes to bedtime and you're saying, I want this child to go to bed. The the child is saying, I don't want to go to bed, right? (laughs) So so, sometimes when we don't have autonomy, we're like, we get scared of that, right? Right. When we have autonomy, we're saying, okay, I know what I want. I want the child to go to bed. I know what the child wants. The child doesn't want to. Now, how do we make it that the child does go to bed, right? Do I want to give the child five minutes? Do I want to say it in a way where I'm offering choices? Whatever tools I'm using, I'm still acknowledging that I'm not getting washed away by the child's tantrum or the child's desire. Like there is a mother here who has a specific goal in mind, and that's not going anywhere. I love that. Thank you so much for clarifying that. I love that. It's 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 being firm in that, in that instance, it's being firm, like knowing what you want, knowing who you are and being firm about that. Right. So sometimes I've said, you know what I've said to myself, like, you know what, honey, let the child just like, let's leave it up to the child now. Right. Mm -hmm. It's okay. It can happen on certain nights. Right. But when you do that, you know, you still need to know who you are in the situation. Right. Knowing that gives you that firmness. I love that. I, I love the, the common theme already. Like you have to know who you are and what you want. This like I'm, I'm pulling this theme together already. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So let's talk about N, negotiation. Negotiation is asking for what you need, right? Because when it comes to a boundary, usually we're talking about a certain interaction, a certain situation where, okay, so what do I want? You are like, let's say your husband is very kind and he wants to give you, right? So he's like, hey, let's go out to eat. Like, I want to offer you this nice moment, right? And the truth is you don't want to eat. You, you don't want to do that, right? So sometimes we'll just go along with that, right? Negotiation means, let me just tell you what I want. I don't actually like to go out to eat, but I love to sit on the couch with you and, and schmooze, right? Mm-hmm. So why are we calling communication negotiation, Right. Usually people call it communication. Yes. And the problem with communication is that really, really communication just means taking your thoughts out of your head and into words. Yes. And we can all do that, except everyone talks about the problem with communication in in a relationship. Like, oh, you need to learn communication. You know how to communicate. If you both speak one language, you can communicate, except that we can't communicate in a situation that feels unsafe. Like when it comes to going to the grocery and and saying, hey, where's the pasta? Let me take it off the shelf. Like you can talk to someone and say, I want the pasta. I want to pay. Like those are easy things to say. When it comes to your husband, your husband wants one thing, you want the other thing. And suddenly you're having an issue with communication. You're breaking down. You're blaming instead of saying your feelings. It's because you're not feeling safe to communicate. You know that when you say that, you're afraid your husband will like you less. You're afraid that there will be some conflict in, in the marriage and you don't want that conflict, mm-hmm. right? There's something that prevents you from communicating because communicating just means saying what you want. Mm-hmm. So we call it nego- negotiation because you need to know that it's your job to take care of your needs. Like when do we use negotiation? Often we use it in business, right? When two businesses are going to be doing business together, they negotiate a contract, which means they both know that it's 
their job to look after their best interest and to represent that, right? When two countries are negotiating, they're talking about their boundary, their border, and they're negotiating, hey, I want to have access to the sea. You want to have access to the sea. It's my job to take care that my country is doing well. So when it comes to relationships that are a little bit less, um, more scary than asking for the flavor of ice cream that you like, right? Mm -hmm. Which is easy communication. When it comes to talking to your husband and saying, I want you to pay more attention to me. I want you to be more present, right? Like things that are hard to ask for. We want to call it negotiation because it's not communication. It's you taking the courage to look after your needs and represent yourself with courage and bravery and say, even though it's hard for me to ask you to love me, I'm in this relationship and I need this relationship to work. So I'm going to negotiate on my behalf. Wow. That is so, I love that, that nuance between the communication and negotiation, like the way that you define it. Cause you're right. Communication, you could just take it from your head and you could just blurt it out or even say it nicely or however, however you want to say it. you just say it. But negotiation is like, you're, you have the courage to look after your own needs, but, but that also involves knowing who you are and knowing what you want, because once yes. you know that, then you know what you need and you're able to do it. I mean, obviously in a nice way, we're talking about having, you know, we're talking about negotiating in a, in a nice way, but if you don't even know what you're negotiating, if you don't know who you are, if you don't know what's important to you, then then you don't even know what to say, you know? Yes. And knowing that, like you can stick up for yourself, so to speak, you know, just we like we talked about in the example of the children, you can be firm even with your husband, again, like firm but gentle, but at least you know what you want and you know who you are. And then when you know who you are, and what you want, not only do you know it, but you're able to show it to other people, both to your husband and to your children. And that makes you stronger. It doesn't make you a weaker person or a selfish person or a less giving person. It makes you a stronger person. And strength is attractive, especially to men. They, like, they want a woman who knows who she is. Yes. So, okay, awesome. Um, and the last one, I think D stands for direction. Yes. So direction is, is really tying it all together and saying, where do you want to go in your life? Where do you want to go in, in your marriage? Where do you want to go in your parenting? That vision thing that we touched on, right? What do you want it to look like? Because all of these things require courage. Having autonomy inside of a relationship requires courage. Negotiating, and even in small instances, require courage. Yes. So why are you doing this? You have a long-term vision. The direction you're going in is the direction where you are happy, you are alive, and who you are is fully expressed. You feel peace. You feel good, right? That's where you're headed. And for, for each of us, that looks a little bit different. Like, what do you want your family to look like? Like, especially in marriage and in parenting, we seem to have these ideas of what's good. Like, what does an Aishas Chayel look like? What does the good wife look like? What does the good mother look like, right? And it looks like a certain type of, you know, food and a certain type of shoe and a certain type of, like, we think we're so specific. And really, the truth is, it has nothing to do with these outside measurements that society measures us by. We measure where we're going by having our own direction. What does a family look like to you? What does happy home look like to you 
And it's a very personal question for each person because what it looks like to me may be different than what it looks, to, looks like for you and for the other person, you know? It's all very, very individual. It's so interesting because yes, society has us like a cookie cutter. Everybody's the same way. Every good wife is like this. Every good mother is like that. And we can be very pigeonholed, you know, if we follow along with that. But if like you said, you know, we ask ourselves personally, what makes you happy? What, what kind of a family do you want to have? What does your happy, healthy, vibrant home look like? And just really put a description of that in your head and be able to communicate that to yourself. It's really to yourself that we're doing all this for, you know, because it's for us to discover. And I think discover is the appropriate word for us to discover who we are, what we want, the way that we want our lives to look like and how we want to express ourselves. And the way that that's going to come about is if we're really, really defined in who we are and what we want. And I, I love that that thread that ties it together. And I love that direction. You know, uh, where do you want to go? What do you want your life to look like? It's about you. It's not necessarily about somebody else. It's about you and knowing who you are. I think, I, I think that's everything. I think that's everything when it comes to creating a boundary, knowing who you are, who you are, where you end, where the other person begins. It's amazing. It's very powerful. Thank you. Thank you. I like, I like the word discovery that you used because if you have been beating yourself up like, oh, I don't know how to make boundaries or I failed at this piece of my relationship. I am codependent. I'm, you know, whatever you call yourself, it's never too late. You didn't have to make a boundary. You discover yourself more and more. And as you discover yourself more, your boundaries firm up because it's coming from a place of your own strength and your own self-definition that you more and more discover. And I love that you said that it's never too late. You could be in your 40s, 50s, 60s even, you know, and maybe the way that you were raised, the environment, nobody's judging anybody, but like maybe just the way that you were, you didn't have boundaries for, for X amount of years in your life. Today, you can start creating a boundary. Today, you can start discovering who you are and firming yourself up, as you said, like it's never too late. Yes. Um, so we took a look about boundaries of how they look like with our relationship with our husbands, with our children. So now I wanted to kind of shift it a little bit because many women work outside of the home and they interact with customers and with clients and with coworkers and bosses every single day. So how can we create boundaries in our workplace specifically so that we can be more confident in ourselves and our decisions and not constantly second guess ourselves or worry, did I do exactly what the boss wanted me to do? Did I hurt somebody's feelings? What is, what is this coworker saying about me? Because as women, we tend to get caught up in our heads about what other people think of us. So how can we do this, this boundaries? How can we set boundaries in the workplace? Great question, because the like you're saying, those boundaries the breaches happen, right? The reason we give too much or forget who we are is because we were looking for the love from the other people. We want our bosses, coworkers, and employees and customers to like us. Yes. And especially in the workplace where we're giving creatively and we're giving from the skills and talents that we have, we want that recognition. We want people to like us, right? For sure. Which is where those boundaries start. This is either where they start to gel or this is where they start to corrode. Because when we're looking for someone else to like us, we have given the power of who we are. We are love. We've given it to someone else. When we're saying, I don't know that I'm love. Can you please let me know that you love me? I will bend over backwards to please you, my dear boss or client, so that you can walk out of the store satisfied and you know, and I can feel loved, 
right? Yes. And when we take that power back and we say, sweetie, you're entering the workplace, remember who you are. You are love. You are good enough. You're enough. The reason you're in the workplace is because you are generous enough to be providing a service to the world. That's not only enoughness, that's overflow. Whatever you're doing, you're making the world a better place. Appreciate who you are because that is more than good enough. That's generosity. And when you come from that place, you don't need to give extra. You're already giving extra. You're making the world a better place. Wow. I love that. I love it. And, and I can, you know, I can hear in my head when people are, when people are thinking, they're like, well, what if my boss is mean? What if he has it out for me? Or what, I mean, genuinely, like some bosses are really, really, really like on top of their coworkers and they want, you know, on top of their employees, they want them to go over above and beyond. They even, honestly, there are even situations where bosses want their employees to kind of, how do I put this nicely? So that the, the customers step over the employees just so the customer is happy and the employee is maybe less valued and the customer is number one, you know? And I'm not saying customers are very valuable, but I'm just talking about from the employee side, from you as the employee, you know, how do you balance it where you're not being a doormat to the customer and you're making your boss happy, but you're, you're also, and most importantly, keeping your own integrity about who you are? Yeah, yeah. Great question. Because when you think about it, you're the middleman between yeah. the boss and the client, right? And the boss is really, what the boss is saying when they're saying, let the client step over you, yeah. the boss is saying, I want to be liked. My business needs to be liked in order to be to survive. Yeah. So you become nothing so that the client will like me, our brand, right? Yes. And you taking that on, you're taking on the employer's fear, right? And also kind of believing in that. It's it's easy when we're in an environment of work together to take on someone else's reality. Like we take on the work um, dynamics that's going on in the relationship. But when you step out of those dynamics very courageously and you say, wait a minute, what's happening here, right? How do I return to love? I notice the boss's fear. It's okay that he has it. I don't have to buy into it. What am I buying into? I'm buying into my own value, right? So we've just called into question this whole dynamic. A dynamic happens when people, you know, act from a certain place and everyone's kind of accepting it and going along with it. But when you're saying, wait a minute, what's my truth? Like coming back to myself, I have autonomy in this relationship, right? In this whole machine that has many employees and everyone's going along with the reality, I have autonomy. What do I think about this? I am coming from a place of love. Like that's what I'm working on. I'm worthy of doing this work. So I'll start right there, right? Just recognizing the situation and recognizing myself as a separate piece in the situation. I still get to decide who I am. It happens to be that we're in a place right now where it's, you know, it's an employee's market. Like everyone's looking for employees. And the reason that's good is you know, it's hard for businesses and it has pluses and minuses. But the reason it's good is because as an employee and even as a as a as an employer, it just helps us appreciate what business is really about, which is giving service. That's a very valuable thing. When we were desperate for work, we couldn't it was harder to see this truth. And to take in the fact that when you're working, you are providing a service, you're providing love. Now it's even easier to see that. That's true. Oh, it's for sure. It's a hundred percent. 
And I still, I really love that. I still get to decide who I am. Like, I love, I love that, that you said that because even in those situations where like it gets really tense and there's a lot of um, a friction and frustration and tension at work, you can stop, remove yourself out. I call it zoom out. You can stop, you can zoom out so you can really get yourself out of the situation and say, wait a minute, hold on a minute. I still get to decide who I am. And sometimes the decision might be, I'm in a really toxic environment where I don't need to be. And I'm a good person and I can give my love to another organization, to another boss, to even to another field where I'm needed and where I'm, I'm, I'm appreciated. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to leave your job right away. I'm not advocating for that. I'm just saying just to take a minute and to really decide who you are and what you need. And in this particular circumstances where you're working in, if that's going to be good for you, that's, that's what I'm saying. Beautiful. Love that. Because when you're, when you're going along with what's happening, you're just going along and believing in the lie, right? When you're evaluating the situation and you know, you're valuable. So whether you're going to leave that job today or whether long-term you're looking for something else, right? it's just giving you opportunity, which you always had. Like your time is valuable. If you're giving a nine to five to the world, that's a very precious amount of time. That's a huge amount of love that you're offering the world. Right, exactly. And that's exactly what I want to point out. Like you're not a shmata, you're not a rag just to go in every day and every day, you know, and to be, you know, I don't, the, the word abused is maybe a little bit too strong, but there are some people who have a really, really harsh work environment. And, you know, I'm being really serious. There's some people yeah. who really suffer tremendously when they go to work and that depletes you. It, 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 tramples on who you are as a human being and that's that's not right nobody should do that to you so by by being courageous and by standing up for yourself and valuing yourself and deciding who you are you're making yourself stronger so that you you just can decide for yourself whether or not you want to be in that situation or if you do need to be in that situation how you can handle it so you can negotiate better and stand up for yourself and and make a boundary beautiful um, so, I mean, it takes a lot of inner strength to create and maintain boundaries as we've been discussing. So in order to keep up our strength and our resolve, it's so important for us as women that we take care of ourselves. So I want to see if you can please share with us some self-care practices that can help us affirm our boundaries and to keep our relationships safe, whether it's our home relationships or work relationships or relationships with friends, any type of relationship. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, I love self-care. I do want to differentiate between different types of self-care because a lot of times, you know, it's really nice to go on a vacation, to go to a spa, like do that for yourself by all means. Beautiful. But a lot of times we're like, I don't have time. I don't feel like it for whatever reason. It's not practical. Right. And really you get to love yourself right here, right now. And self-care can look very simple. It's as simple as saying, how do I feel right now? Right. Wow. That's like, that's very, very powerful. Like I'm just almost struck by the simplicity of it, but it's so powerful because you're checking in with yourself. You're actually showing yourself that you care about you. You know, if you saw somebody crying, a friend, a kid, anybody, you know, you would go over to them. We know what's the matter. Why are you crying? How are you feeling? How can I help? But we don't stop and do that for ourselves. We just keep going and chugging along. So just a simple act of stopping. It's so simple. Just stop and check in with yourself. How are you feeling? How are you doing? It sounds simple, but it's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what else? How we, so we can stop and check in with ourselves, see how we're doing. Um, what else? Um, another thing that comes to mind is giving yourself compassion, right? You work hard. Like, we expect so much of ourselves, like we push ourselves so hard. Can you give yourself compassion for the things you do, the work you do, 
the things you've been through, right? And saying like just kind, loving words to yourself, like, sweetie, look what you're doing, right? Another very simple one that goes right together with this one is just give yourself a sigh. Like let that everything you're holding, we hold ourselves so tightly, we hold ourselves so alert. Let yourself sigh. Let all of that tension out. I love that. I love it because these are all simple things that they don't cost anything to do. You could do them right wherever you are in your house, in your car, if you're taking a walk, wherever you are. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we're, we're getting ready to close out now, but I just I want to take a minute to ask you, you know, from your personal experience, like what really helps you either in terms of self-care or setting boundaries, like something, you know, something personal so that, you know, other women can see, well, honey does it so I can do it too. Okay. So here's something that has helped me tremendously and keeps on helping me, which is taking space, which means that when a conversation feels iffy or it gets too, too much or overwhelming, or I'm not sure anymore saying, um, give me a few minutes. Uh, I'll, I'll think about it and get back to you. Um, let me, let me get back on this. I need to take a walk before we continue, right? Like any of these, let's put the pause button on so that you can regain your equilibrium. Like when I take space, time, um, I'm not available now, I'll get back to you. That gives me the time to come back to myself and to revisit it from a place of power. Like I can do the steps that it takes to be the boundary. I can do the love. I can do the autonomy, but I can't do it when we're in the middle of a heated discussion, when I have to decide right now what I'm doing. Like that's just pressure and puts me at the advantage of, I don't know what to do. Let me listen to the other person. I'm almost losing myself. Um, when I take time for myself and just say, I need time. Let me think like any conversation that doesn't feel comfortable walk out that same thing you're trying to figure out between husband and wife between your child like you can take care of that it's not going anywhere you can revisit it in five minutes from now go to the bathroom you know I love it so simple but so so powerful I love it because if you take those few minutes just to clear your mind just to give yourself some space you can gain a new perspective on the situation that you might not have had literally two minutes ago and that can help you solve the problem that can help you mend the relationship instead of destroy it that can help you take positive actions instead of negative ones so it's really really important I love it I love it so thank you thank you so much honey for joining us on America's Top Robinsons we really enjoyed having you here and we hope that the learning we did today will be for the Rafua Shalema of Eliezer Raphael Leib Ben Amuna and also for Haim Aharon Ben Rachel thank you so so much thanks for having me and thank you for listening my pleasure